Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey there, Dr. Ross Green here, along with my co-host, Susie Porton, who's joining us from upstate New York. It's parenting behaviorally challenge. it's parenting your challenging child. Uh, and we are on the air live. I'm sitting in the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. Glad to be with you today. We're going to see if the technology cooperates today. Um, it doesn't always, but it does usually. Susie, how are you today? Good. Thanks, Dr. Green. How are you? I am well. So uh, the call-in number, if people want to call in, 347-994-2981. And, um, well, we've got the same, uh, well, we have even more emails in the email bag, as it were, to go through today, but if people want to call in, they're always welcome to. Once again, 347-994-2981. Anything on your mind today, Susie, before we jump into the mail? Well, as I've said before, what I love about this model is that there's always hope. And just because parents might be getting started with the model and filling out the out the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems and seeing that their problems have piled up, it might be a good time to, you know, um, check what's, what's going on at home and at school, what is and isn't working and why, and that it's never too late to start. And you can begin now and use the summer to put things in place. And maybe you might have something to add to our listeners to help them with that. Well, everybody who calls in has something to add. Um, I'm always amazed at not only what we get by email with people who are um, at various points in their use of the model, but also um, from callers, which is always fun. Um, but um, no callers yet, so we're going to go to the mailbag, if that's okay with you. Of course. Here's an interesting one. Just came in this week. I have a question regarding the CPS approach. By always collaborating with a child and always reaching a solution that is agreeable to both the parent and the child, Is there potential to be training the child to only comply with expectations if they feel like it? In the real world, they will have to do things that they may not necessarily feel like doing. 
thank you in advance for your answer. Um, you want to take that one, or you want me to take a first crack at it? Well, um, I suppose I can just say that in the real world, uh, children are asked to solve problems, be flexible in their thinking, and deal with frustration. So using the model is teaching those skills, and what a great way to to learn those those skills um, as opposed to just blindly adhering to an adult authority figure. Um, that's what I wanted to say. Well, and here's what I want to say. Um, the world is full of expectations, and some of those expectations are things that we don't feel like doing. But just because a kid is doesn't feel like doing a particular expectation doesn't mean they're having trouble doing that expectation. We want to remember that it's great for adults to have expectations. It's great for those expectations to be realistic. And it is inescapable that some expectations that are being placed on kids are things that they're not going to feel like doing. But a meaningful percentage of the time, they do it anyways. Um, I can promise you there are homework assignments that my kids get that they don't feel like doing. It only becomes an unsolved problem when they're still having difficulty doing it. And that's when you have two choices if you want to solve that problem. Plan A, which is where the adult decides what the solution is and imposes it on the kid, Plan B, where we're figuring out what's getting in the kid's way on meeting that expectation that they're having difficulty meeting. I was tempted to say that they don't feel like, but um, I don't feel like it is just the beginning of something you might hear when you do the empathy step of plan B. You need to bear in mind um, there's probably way more to it than that. There's something going on that's the reason the kid doesn't feel like it. It's not just that they don't feel like it. Um, so we need to find out what that is and solve the problem together. So no, I'm not even slightly worried that if we are collaborating with kids on solutions to expectations they're having difficulty meeting, then we will teach the kid that they only need to comply with expectations if they feel like it. Truth is, even in Plan B, you're still giving the child a very explicit message that it's an expectation that you have. You're trying to figure out what's getting in the kid's way so that the expectation can get met. So I'm not worried about that at all. I don't think that collaborating with kids makes them come to believe that they only have to comply with expectations if they feel like it. If they don't feel like it, we got to figure out what's getting in their way so we can help. And the truth is, the vast majority of kids that I've worked with over the last 25 years uh, weren't having difficulty meeting expectations because they merely didn't feel like it. Something was getting in their way, 
that's where we adults come in real handy. And I don't think we're coming in real handy when we're simply deciding what the solution is and imposing it on the kid. Um, we can be much more helpful than that. Anything to add? Uh, no. I think we covered it. Mm-hmm. Let's move on. Here's another one. Hello, thank you for taking the time to read this. You're welcome. I am new to this approach, but am excited that I have finally found a path to helping my son. We are working closely with his counselor using your methods, but the school is difficult to navigate. My son is in the third grade and has already been suspended twice this year, written up repeatedly, pulled and removed from the classroom often, and the school has called or emailed me dozens of times regarding his behavior. They've even told me that my son shows no remorse and chooses to behave poorly. So they discipline more and are tightening on him. Sadly, he is shutting down, crying, and slipping in academics now at school. The school wonders, boy, you know, this is a very sad email. Mm -hmm. This is tragic. This doesn't have to be this way. And here I'm adding editorial comments and only halfway through. The school wonder why he lacks motivation to do better. Now he is sadly seated alone as they believe that he must, told you it was going to get worse. Now he is sadly seated alone as they believe that he must earn the right to have his desk near other students. I see so many red flags, but am at a loss in helping him at school because they defend their position even though it isn't working. I've purchased the book Lost at School to help and look forward to your new book due this winter. Well, it'll probably be later this year. Being an advocate for my struggling child is important to me, but I don't know what else to do in getting the school to see the value in this approach. What can I do to help? Thank you. Well, number one, I'm very, very glad that you wrote in. This is uh, one of the more poignant emails that we have had on this show recently. Um, this is a kid who is being mistreated, and I'm sure he's doing things at school that the school isn't happy with, but I'm extremely concerned that the school is doing things that are only going to make it worse, and I realize that we're only hearing from the boy's mom here, but it does not sound good. Want to weigh in first, Susie? I've already weighed in, but um happy to let you weigh in, and then I'm probably going to kick in with some more. Uh, I'm wondering if it's possible for the mom to um, take some blank copies of the ALSEP, the Assessment of Lagging Skills and Unsolved Problems, and um, meet either with the guidance counselor at the school or um, one of the teachers who might seem more open to uh, different ways of helping her son um, or possibly even the principal. Um, And maybe the counselor who is helping them, helping this family, could um, come as well uh, for moral support and uh, further explanation to help the school um, see that there's a different way to do things. Um, Like you say, it's just heartbreaking. Um, But it's great that she has found 
the website and found the CPS approach. Um, I think that's what I wanted to say. I'm glad, too. Um, I think um, the big question is how do we help the school folks um, get the right lenses on and start to do things differently? And the question is, who can do that? Who can make that happen? Um, now, Mom, uh, I'd recommend that you get a cop, give that copy of Lost at School to somebody in the building who you think will read it and can act on it. I don't know if that's the principal. I don't know if that's the school counselor. I don't know who that is, but... Um, we need somebody to do that, and if it's not somebody in the school, you may end up needing somebody outside the school to do some blocking for you. Um, but it's got to be somebody, and you may be bumping up against the glass ceiling of what you feel like you can accomplish as mom. Um, some schools are more receptive to mom's ideas than others. Um, I can't quite tell here. Um, if you can't afford a copy of Lost at School, um, let us know, and Lives in the Balance will send the school a copy of Lost at School, along with a description of the model. Uh, Lives in the Balance is happy to help you out here in any way that we can, um, but I'm hoping that uh, somebody in the building is willing to take this on and is willing to take a step back from what's being done to your son. Um, you know, in the CPS model, we operate on the assumption that if a kid could do well, he would do well. And that um, if he, and making him earn the right to have his desk near other students is operating on the assumption that he doesn't want to do well and that he's got to earn the right to be with other kids. And so this is slowly but surely moving, in my opinion, in the wrong direction. And I appreciate the fact that, you know, the school folks haven't weighed in here, so I don't want to be too one-sided. But if we go merely on what you've written in your email, um, uh, first of all, clearly suspending him twice, writing him up repeatedly, pulling him and removing him from the classroom, dozens of emails, um, he's shutting down, crying. They're wondering why he's lacking the motivation Bottom line is, is if you use motivational strategies on a kid and motivation is not what's getting in the kid's way, then eventually he's going to look even less motivated than he looked before because the intervention that's being applied isn't working. And if the intervention that's being applied isn't working, most of us, no matter what it is, would become demoralized, um, some of us quicker than others. So this is tragic. We're happy to help you out if we can. You'll get an email, of course, from us letting you know that we've responded to your email um, on the radio program, but we are happy to go further than that if you need us to. you just got to let us know. So um, when you receive the email from uh, Ann or Tim, who are our volunteers who so graciously handle the radio program um, correspondence. When you hear back from them, be sure to let them know that uh, lives in the, that um, I've let you know that Lives in the Balance is happy to help, 
And um, you let us know if there's anything else we can do because we are happy to do whatever we can to help you and your son navigate this and see if we can help things go better for him and you. Ready to turn to another email? Yeah, I just wanted to quickly add for the mom to try not to get discouraged if the school is resistant to another approach, to the CPS approach, that she knows her child the best and she's she is her son's advocate, and you have to be the squeaky wheel in this case and stick up for what's right. I bet we have a bunch of people listening today and um, that are, are finding that scenario as distressing and dismaying as we are. Um, just hate to see things going that way um, and hope... Hopefully, mom, and maybe with the help of Lives in the Balance, can help turn it around. Yep. Uh, here's another email. And this is the, I'm, I'm a little bit uh, trepidatious about reading this one because this is the one I was beginning to read on the last program when uh, the technology failed us. So here we go. I'm reading this at my own risk um, and at the risk of the emailer. But here we go. This one comes from Sweden, as I understand it. Um, I was wondering about something. It is specific to behavior and gaming. My six-year-old son has a tablet. He received it on Christmas this past year. On it, he plays Minecraft. We won't let him play the violent version, just the building. We have recently taken away the tablet, as he has become fixated and obsessed with it, so much that he has passed a bowel movement in his underwear because he didn't want to leave what he was doing. I was disturbed by this. His day-to-day became that he was less and less interested in anything else with each moment obsessing over what he could play next on his tablet. Do you think we did the wrong thing by taking it away? We've tried to explain to him that it was not done as a punishment, but rather as a means to have him reconnect with the world around him and find meaning in other things as well. It had gotten to the point that he would only complete other things to have time on his tablet. Now that he has not had the tablet for about three and a half weeks, he still asks daily about it and was quite distraught yesterday when I indicated that he would not be getting the tablet back anytime soon. He was and is acting like an addict. However, he is struggling so much with school, this has been since kindergarten with impulsive and reactive behavior, He has recently been moved to a new school due to lack of supports and the school's rigid focus on punitive action. That it is likely a means to escape, so I fear that I have ripped away his only relief. But at the same time, I don't think that running away is healthy either. We are currently in the thick of proactive Plan B for many of his lagging skills, truly have had minimal success to this point. I think I might know why, but we'll get to that later. He will soon have a confirmed diagnosis of ADHD with GAD, generalized anxiety disorder. He is currently not on any medication, making it certainly challenging to engage him in any sort of meaningful Plan B discussions. Now I think we might know another reason. Really struggling with this, any advice would be helpful. We are delighted to try to be helpful. That's why we do this radio program. 
Susie, as always, let's give you the first crack at that one. I bet I'll have some stuff to say, too. If you want. Um, if, if you don't mind going first on this one, that would be great. Thanks. My pleasure. All right. So, uh, a few points. First of all, yes, you did plan A. You did plan A on the tablet, and um, I am not one to tell you whether you did the wrong thing by taking it away. Um, I'm a plan B guy, not a plan A guy. Um, I usually find that I can accomplish everything with plan B that I might have been able to accomplish with plan A with all the upside of plan B and without all of the downside of plan A. Um, It doesn't sound like you are paying a huge price for having done plan A on this issue, although some parents do pay a very big price for doing plan A in the form of um, very aggressive or reactive behavior from their kid. Plan A, as I always say, um, causes challenging behavior in challenging kids. Nowhere in your message do you say that the behavior is worse, so maybe that didn't happen. But nonetheless, this is a unilateral solution, and I'm not allergic to unilateral solutions. I just think that it's better to be collaborative. Now, here's the good news. You've already got your concerns identified. Um, You feel that it's not good for him to be um, so disconnected from the world. You feel that it's not good for him to find meaning only in Minecraft and not in other things as well. Um, You'd like him to be a member of the world, not just a member of the Minecraft world. So you've got important concerns It's important to note that his difficulties with school predated Minecraft. Your other concern is that you feel like he is escaping the difficulties he's having in school by entering the world of Minecraft, which apparently, based on your telling, is more enjoyable than the world of school. It is definitely concerning that a kid would pass a bowel movement because he didn't want to leave Minecraft, that just tells you, I guess, how much Minecraft sucked his brain in and won't let it go. So, I get it. You did plan A. The big question is, we haven't heard his concerns, and I would love to hear his concerns. Because, yes, you've taken away Minecraft, and so, at least on the surface, you've solved mm, the symptom. The symptom was Minecraft, obsessing over Minecraft. But I don't know what his concerns are, so I'm not exactly sure what needs to be addressed, and I'm not exactly sure how his brain got sucked into Minecraft in the first place. I do know this. If we go with the theory, and of course this is just a theory, but I'm going on your email here, that Minecraft is a heck of a lot more pleasant than the rest of his world, then if all we do is take away Minecraft and don't attend to the rest of his world, then this problem isn't solved yet. We may have dealt with the behavior of playing and obsessing over Minecraft, but we haven't done anything about the issues that, the problems that caused his brain to get sucked into Minecraft in the first place. 
And that's basically sort of what happens with plan A. Since we, in plan A, since we're not trying to figure out what the kids' concerns are, we're not solving those concerns at all. We're just solving our concerns. So I think there's more work to be done here besides just taking away Minecraft. The big question is, can we address his concerns while also addressing yours? And that's not going to happen. This is the second part. It's not going to happen if we're focused on lagging skills as what we're working on in Plan B instead of unsolved problems. Now, a lot of people say lagging skills when they really mean unsolved problems. So that might be what you meant in your email where you said that you're working, you're using a lot of proactive plan B, which is great, but you said for many of his lagging skills and you've had minimal success on that, that's mainly because, well, when you're using plan B, you're actually more focused on unsolved problems than you are trying to explicitly or directly teach lagging skills. And so if you're focused on lagging skills when you're doing plan B, that may explain why it's not going very well. But you've also given us another reason that it could be not going very well. At the very end of your message, you said that um, he's going to get some diagnoses soon, but you already knew these things about him. So the diagnoses just put the rubber stamp on his head. You're saying that it is very challenging to engage him in any sort of meaningful Plan B discussions. I'm going to interpret that to mean that it is very difficult for him to either focus on the discussions and or sit still for them. I could be wrong, but I think that's what you might be telling us. And if that's true and Plan B is actually taking place under optimal circumstances, you know, kind of often one-on-one, often under, you know, quiet circumstances, got to wonder about how much difficulty your son is having in the real world if he's too inattentive and or too hyperactive to sit there and talk about a problem with you. Now, sometimes there are kids who are hyperactive and impulsive who are able to talk about a problem if we are specific about the unsolved problem, but Plan B still goes nowhere because we tried talking with the kid about lagging skills. We want to make sure that that part is in good shape, too. There's my two cents, but I think we got more than two cents. Susie, how about you weigh in? Um, I. It sounds that they, like there's problems in the home as well as school problems. And I was just wondering um, if they are prioritizing the problems and picking out two or three of the most important ones for right now and putting the others on the back burner so that they're both the parent and the child aren't overwhelmed. Um, You know, you always say diagnoses uh, pathologize the child and you don't want to, you don't want to do that. It's a family problem and they need to work together to figure out what's getting in the child's way. Um, There's obviously challenging behavior and demands for skills 
um, and you want to make sure that you're splitting the problems uh, very carefully and not clumping them. That's what I was thinking about. Good. Let me give the call-in number again. Nobody calls us anymore on our program, Susie. Uh, That's a shame. 347-994-2981. Still getting a lot of emails, and I was reading another email from the same dad who wrote the last one. He said he would have called into the program, but he felt a little funky about doing it because his English isn't that great, which is fine. Uh We can do it by email, but um, because that one was from Sweden. But let's move on to another one. It's kind of cool that we have people from all over the world listening to the program. They're just not calling in. That's okay. Uh, I've recently read The Explosive Child, and your methods make total sense to me. I've been consciously avoiding Plan A at home for years because any approach that is not Plan A had better results than Plan A. My nine-year-old son cannot handle adults putting demands on him in a Plan A manner, and he is highly sensitive to the tone of voice they use. So it is very difficult to ask him to do anything without him blowing up. I can do it, and we've had some teachers who could do it, but most people, recess ladies, lunch ladies, aides, secretaries, janitors, parent volunteers, the principal, etc., trigger him. His explosions at school were so bad that they finally kicked him out. He is now in a special school for kids with behavior issues and is doing reasonably well with the trained school personnel, but there is little change to how he responds to anyone else. We need to solve the problem of how he can follow directions when the adult asking uses Plan A. And we have to solve it before he will be able to return to mainstream school, which the district is going to want pretty soon. He needs to be able to follow reasonable directions from someone he does not know and or like, and if someone is actually rude or even insensitive to him, he needs the skills to be able to handle it. The blow-ups generally do not happen when I am with him, and they don't often happen in the special school because the adults there are also trained in how to deal with behaviorally challenging kids. Is this a problem your method can solve? Let me take first crack at that one if you don't mind. Great. Placing an expectation on a kid is not the same thing as doing Plan A. Plan A is one of three possible options in response to unmet expectations. This is an important point of confusion for many people. So it's not that your son is necessarily having trouble with Plan A as best I can tell, It's that he's having difficulty with people placing expectations on him. Plan A, and I I could be confused here, but plan A is when the adult is deciding what the solution is to an unmet expectation and imposing it on the kid. Just because an adult has an expectation doesn't mean they're imposing a solution. It just means that the adult has an expectation. When does plan A kick in? after the kid has already shown us that he's having difficulty meeting the expectation and the adult is telling the kid what the solution is and making him do the solution. That's plan A. So for us to figure out what it is about people placing expectations on him, and the truth is I could be wrong. So 
it, this could break one of two ways. First of all, we may need to do plan B to figure out why your son has difficulty when certain people place expectations on him. And that's plan B. I've noticed that when um, the lunch lady tells you to stand in line, that's hard for you. What's up? Or better yet, I've noticed that it's hard for you to stand in line in lunch at school. What's up? That's us doing plan B to figure out what's hard about your son meeting the expectations that different people are placing upon him. Here's the other possibility. Um, when he's having difficulty meeting those expectations, people are doing plan A. But it still really traces back to what expectations is he having difficulty meeting. And I think we need a list. So I'm not sure the goal is for him to be able to handle plan A. The goal is for us to figure out what expectations he's having difficulty meeting, to try to understand why when some people place expectations on him, he has difficulty meeting them, and when other people place expectations on him, he doesn't have trouble meeting them. Um, that might have something to do with the people, but it might have something to do with the expectations. I'm kind of eager to find that out. Um, I think we need to get him good at plan B, and I think we need to figure out why he's having difficulty meeting those expectations. But to be able to do that, we need to figure out what those expectations are. And I don't think I would lead with, we would find this out in the empathy step, but I don't think I would lead with who's placing the expectation on him. I think I would lead with the expectation he's having difficulty meeting. We're going to find out in the empathy step how much of the percentage of him having difficulty is the expectation itself or the person who's placing it on him. My sense is that we don't know right now, and um, we'd like to know. What do you think, Susie? Well, I agree with what you said. Um I just wanted to add that by using the collaborative and proactive solutions model over a period of time, by solving problems collaboratively and proactively and indirectly teaching the lagging skills, it did help my son to eventually... Um, be able to accept circumstances where people were in plan A and he might not agree with it, but he had the tools to deal about it. Got it. Um, I think we've got some figuring out to do. Mm-hmm. And I think I think plan B is the way to figure it out, to tell you the truth. Um, here's the interesting thing. This didn't happen on the last email. 
the one that had happened the last time, and no, the phones are not disconnecting on us today. <laughs> What's happening to us today is that my email is now not loading. Oh, dear. Can you imagine? So I'm going to try to connect with my email another way. We, we've got technology issues sometimes in the offices of Lives in the Balance. And let me see if I can connect another way. That's not going to work. Let's see if it's going to come up here soon. Sometimes we just lose our Internet that we play, pay an enormous amount of money for. You'd think it would be more reliable given the amount of money we pay for it. Let me see if I can get anything to load here because we have about nine minutes left. Actually, I'm going to log out and see if, if I log back in again if we have magic. If not, it's going to be a shorter-than-usual program today because I am dependent on... Here we go. It came up. Yahoo. Oh, good for you. Um, occasionally, I can get the technology to work. Hold on. Mm-hmm. Um, here's a nice email. Thanks very much for the radio program. I have gained a lot from the radio program and the books. My son has really improved, and our response to his outbursts is a lot less stressed due to our new perspective, which is informed by your work with parents and teachers. We now have a child who is being integrated back into the classroom due to all his improvements over this year. Well, now that's, you know, we like reading all of them, but that's one. Isn't that nice? Yep. Yeah. It says there's hope. That's great. Yep. All right. So now here's what my email is doing to us. It's opening the first thing that I open, but it's not opening anything else. So I'm going to log back in. We've got this mastered. Let's see if it'll let me do another one. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> My wife and I read The Explosive Child and think its approach would work for our 10-year-old son, who's been diagnosed with Tourette's disorder and intermittent explosive disorder. The problem is that he completely refuses to engage. For over a year, we have tried the Plan B approach over and over again, but he hardly ever will say a word when we attempt to engage. He typically turns away, buries his head in the couch, refuses to speak, and will just shrug his shoulders if we ask for any thoughts. At most, he'll say, I don't know if we ask for any input. This makes it impossible to make any progress and forces us into either plan A or C for everything. We have tried engaging when he is perfectly calm as well as after some of his explosions, But regardless of the situation, he won't engage. The explosions continue multiple times each day with little improvement. Any advice on how we can get him to engage with us? Want to take a whirl at that, or you want me to take a crack? Um, No, I can try. Uh, Well, first off, I would suggest keeping a log and um, then prioritizing your two or three most important unsolved problems. Um, And you want to use the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems. 
um, I think we've mentioned on the on the program before that sometimes children just need permission not to talk, and so you can go in through the side door and talk to them about not talking, and they're talking. Um, also, uh, it's it's important uh, because they the parents sometimes get frustrated and slip into plan A. Um, the kid might have a hard time trusting that they're doing something different. So um, even though they have good intentions of trying for plan B, um, they might not always be so successful. And I know it's really hard. I know it was hard for us. Um, but whatever they can do to uh, stick just with plan B, um, you know, 15 minutes a day and being responsive to the hand you've been dealt um, will will work and eventually eliminate the maladaptive behavior or reduce it. I like your idea about talking with him about talking. It sounds like um, they may need to get creative with how they're trying to communicate with him. Maybe they have already been, but that's not in the email. Um, I wonder if there's some other means of communicating, texting, email, my uh, five finger, just hold up a finger and let me know how true what I've just said is. Um, I just wonder if this is one of those kids, and there are these kids, for whom face-to-face conversation is not going to be the best way for them to communicate. He's, I don't, you know, I haven't been there for it, and I'm simply surmising here, but he might be one of those kids who needs us to communicate with him in a way besides face-to-face verbal give and take. Um, So let's not do face-to-face verbal give and take. There's lots and lots of kids who who weren't comfortable or couldn't participate in verbal face-to-face give and take who we were still able to find ways to gather information in the empathy step, communicate our concerns in the defined adult concerns step, and uh, come to realistic and mutually satisfactory solutions in the invitation. It's just that our preferred mode of communicating, verbal face-to-face give and take, wasn't their preferred mode of communicating, and so we had to be creative and communicate in some other way besides verbal give and take. And um, that's okay. Um, You can gather information, communicate about your concerns, and come to solutions without verbal face-to-face give and take. So this might be one of those guys, and I can see this is what happens. When you can't do plan B, all you're left with is plan A and C. So I can see why um, A and C are still very much in the mix. B isn't happening yet. 
And of course, for all of our emailers today, you should always feel free to call into the program if we have not satisfactorily answered your question or if you want to provide us with more information. That's always an option. So we thank you for emailing. Call anytime you want. Susie, I think that's going to do it for us today. Any final uh, thoughts before we call it a day? Just um, what a helpful suggestion that is that you don't necessarily have to communicate in the traditional way with words. We found that texting our challenging son was incredibly helpful, and uh, we worked out quite a few unsolved problems that way. Um, yeah, doesn't have to be the spoken word. On that note, let's call it a day. We'll do this again next week, eh? Sounds good. I will. Uh, I look forward to it. And, Take um, care. We'll talk then. Take care, you okay. too. Okay. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.